0: This is the Impact Report. I'm your host, Katie Ellman. The Impact Report brings together students and faculty in Bard College's MBA in Sustainability program with leaders in business, sustainability, finance, social entrepreneurship, and more. These conversations go live the first and third Friday of each month. This week, BARD MBA's John Murray speaks with Trista Bridges, co-founder of Read the Air.
1: Thank you for joining us, Trista.
2: Thank
1: you for having me. My name is John Murray, and I'm a BARD MBA in sustainability candidate. Um, And I also have a, a small startup company in Brooklyn, New York. So as both a BARD student and a small business owner, I'm excited to have the opportunity to talk with you today. Um... You're both being a sustainability consultant, um, as well as the author of a a new book, uh, Leading Sustainability, The Path to Sustainable Business, and How the SDGs Changed Everything. Uh, So I wanted to uh, start by um, asking you about your business, and then we'll we'll shift over to the book. Uh, So initially, um, you are a marketing strategy and sustainable business expert, and your company is called Read the Air. Uh, Can you tell us about your organization and its mission
2: of course so i started uh read the air two years ago um, with my co-founder actually a little over two years ago now Um, and the purpose of uh, our business is to really help organizations put sustainability at the core of what they do so um, i've uh, been in business a long time i've been a consultant in many capacities uh, for many years and also worked within companies and i'm here to tell you that this subject is something that is still not at the core as you probably know of how businesses think about strategy how they think about operations and how they make decisions and choices so my co-founder and i felt it was very important to shift the thinking of business managers and particularly senior executives to start at least thinking about how sustainability will affect their organization and the business and the reason we started this is I'm actually, as you know, based uh, in Japan. Mm-hmm. And uh, I moved to Japan from Europe several years ago, where there's definitely um, a heightened awareness, I guess you would say, around sustainability. But um, here, I felt that uh, there wasn't as much urgency around the topic. And this was a, a two to three years ago when I started to really think kind of hard about this. And so we felt that we wanted to really enact change here. and We really wanted to increase awareness around it. We wanted to increase the urgency around this topic. And so we do our, our own part, uh, a little part, uh, to help uh, to help here in Japan. And, but we also did also work uh, globally as well when opportunities arise.
1: Yeah, so I was curious, just um, as far as your clients, are they cast all over the world or are they primarily uh, companies in Japan?
2: At the moment, they're primarily in Japan, and they're, but they're global companies, right? So yeah. the thing is that, you know, although they're operating, you know, their, their headquarters may be here in Japan, they're based everywhere. And also a lot of these organizations have very complex structures, particularly Japanese companies. They uh, tend to be conglomerates. So in the West, we tend to... Uh, focused right so we focus on certain verticals for example but in japan it's very common to have organizations that are in lots of different businesses
1: mm-hmm. and this
2: obviously adds a different complexity so here in japan sometimes we we'll, might deal with some different types of organizations but they're the most of them are us based or, or sorry are based in japan um mm-hmm. and are uh, have a global global focus or perspective i should say
1: interesting so there isn't so you don't your company doesn't necessarily have an industry focus because no. okay so yeah. at
2: the moment, we so for example, we've done some work in consumer products. And at the moment, we're kind of transitioning a little bit and we're, we're working around the topic of impact investing because mm-hmm. um, so, so when you're basically looking at sustainability, you're thinking obviously about the organization, its structure, how it functions. But then after that, the next step is, well, what do we do? And so what do we do can be having new products and new services that we can develop. But it's also about how do we as an organization invest our money? And so, uh, so there's internal investment, and there's also external investment. And so, particularly in financial services and those types of, of companies, this is this is a common uh, common thought process. So, what we're doing is developing um, some new approaches to help organizations think about how they might embark on impact investing, because uh, you know I, I don't know the nature of your business, but there's many uh, organizations that have, what we call like triple bottom line missions, right? Or there's you know, organizations that we have certifications such as B corporation to kind of certify companies that are sustainable. And we have lots of those great organizations uh, and companies that are coming up around the world, but they need financing. And mm-hmm. a lot of traditional uh, venture capitalists and other financiers don't yet understand what we call impact and these types of companies. So a lot of companies and organizations at the corporate level, but also in financial institutions are starting to think about investing in these companies. So there's a lot of work to be done there. So that's just a new area that we're uh, we're looking at and we're expanding into.
1: Yeah, very interesting. Um, Yeah, I mean, it must be exciting working with the conglomerate on both that operational and then potential impact side, uh, just to sort of have that much impact as far as, you know, working with a company that has so many branches and then also uh, thinking how they can affect change uh, with their investments. That's really cool. Um, so I'm curious, uh, read the air is the name of your company. Mm -hmm. Where does that come from?
2: And so I'm, I'm going to be perfectly honest because my Japanese is not as good as it should be, (laughs) but, but it's actually a direct 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 translation from uh, a phrase in Japanese which focuses on, um, kind of what it says in english you're being able to come into a room and be able to take the temperature of the room if you will
0: yeah. so
2: uh so this is obviously an important thing when you're thinking about this particular topic right because this is a very timely topic and this is for us it was a good name because it's a bit taking the temperature of the world and the temperature of the world is in a place where we all need to be thinking about these these topics and we need to be thinking about sustainability as a way to advance our societies to deal with many of the big challenges and and difficult issues that we're dealing with on an environmental scale on a social scale and the temperature of our world at the moment is is not very good if you will Mm. so we felt that this was a great name to kind of convey that idea Um, and it's also a name obviously that works pretty well in english and in japanese so
1: very interesting and yeah i want I want to um, dig a little bit into that because you do have your professional career has brought you all over the world and yes. um, experience and, uh, and sounds like multiple sectors um, initially, can you speak about your professional background and how you uh, how you ended up in your current work
2: so it, it's very diverse um, I actually started working uh Ooh, I guess 20 years ago now, <laughs> or 20 years ago. And I actually started working with General Mills when I started working. And I worked in sales and I worked in trade marketing um, in the mid-90s. Then went to back to business school. And then after that, um, I decided uh, with my partner at the time, he's now my husband, that we wanted to live in Europe and work in Europe. And at that time, this was around 2000, early 2000s. Um, I very much wanted to work in marketing strategy because I, I really love the idea of understanding consumers and thinking about how to market to them and thinking about understanding what they need and what they what they wanted. So at that time, I worked with a lot of very large brands. I worked with a company called Monitor Group, uh, actually since been brought by Deloitte. But we worked with a lot of very large brands like Coca-Cola, like Cadbury Schweppes, like Roche. Um, And so I did that for several years, then I worked, uh, I was kind of headhunted out of that, and I went to financial services. And I did similar work, but more in a B2B context. And I did that for several years, uh, and and with Thompson Reuters. Uh, And that was a really interesting role Mm -hmm. at that time It was around the time of the financial crisis. So Mm -hmm. that was a bit of a tough time. Uh, But after I came out of that, I did some entrepreneurship in in media, I actually was a blogger for a while, Mm -hmm. uh, in tech startups. And then I left that, and I kind of wanted to converge all of those things here in Japan, uh, which is kind of what I did. So when I first came out here to Japan, I worked with a lot of I worked continued a bit of work in the tech space, still did a lot of marketing strategy work, um, particularly in the pharmaceutical space. And then I started working around the sustainability topic. And um, I, I came into that um, because I always had this passion for. Uh, bringing together business and helping business be better uh, in some capacity or another. And I felt that the sustainability story was really the path to get businesses there, right, to help businesses move in that direction. And so my my co-founder and I at that time, we said, okay, well, how do we develop thinking and a point of view about this space? And so we decided to write a book. And we mm-hmm. felt that going out and talking to companies themselves was the best way to understand what was going on. To really think about, okay, what could we contribute to this discussion? So we spoke to about a hundred thought leaders from around the world, and I would say we talked to lots of big companies, like again, like Coca Cola or HSBC or Givaudan, which is a company, a ingredients company in Europe, or H and M. But we also spoke to a lot of what we called mission-driven companies, smaller companies that were sustainable from the start. Companies like Keen, for example Uh, and Co. is another great example and some other startups to really understand how do you build a business that's profitable and sustainable at the same time and to show to other companies that it's possible to do that. Mm. So that's a little bit of my story and how I kind of got to where where I'm at today. So just to say that sometimes having all those varied experiences can really help, um, I think, get to a point uh, in your career where you can Focus around something you have a lot of passion for, and you can kind of draw on those different different things as well to kind of take your career in a bit of a different direction.
1: Yeah, no, I I feel like I've yet to meet someone in the st- sustainability that says this is what I wanted to do initially, yes. and, and now I'm doing. You know, it's always this sort of winding path story. Um, yeah, because a lot of it.
2: I'm, I'll just say quickly, a lot of it is definitely yeah. coming, seeing things you don't like. Right? In terms of how yeah. business operates and saying, I don't like those things. Yep. How can I affect change in order to change those things? So you kind of come to sustainability, I think, in that way.
1: Yeah. I mean, was there a particular instance uh, where you said, you know, this is really, you know, the way I'm watching these companies operate. It's really, you know, sort of rubbing me the wrong way. And then sustainability was sort of always in the background or did or it just sort of, you know, were you introduced to it by someone? I'm just, I'm just sort of curious, like, how that, was, that occurred, yeah. It was
2: probably little things along the way. So I, I did my MBA at uh, Kellogg, actually, um, mm. late 90s. I graduated in 2000. And actually, at that time, I had a professor. His name is Jeff, Jed Emerson. Mm. And he kind of is the godfather of impact investing in some ways because mm. he was one of the the people who worked on I think he actually was initially his the genesis of his idea. So the concept of social return on investment. And in his class, we were thinking about how do we value social impact? And at that time, it was really in the um, NGO space, right? And this is around the same time the Gates Foundation kind of came after that. And it, it really transformed how we think about social impact and measuring impact. Um, and that kind of put a little bug in me, right? And saying, like, how can we combine uh, typical business and how business normally operates in social goods? And what's the right way to combine those things? And that kind of kept coming back and forth to it. So at one point I was interested in what Ashoka was doing So I was kind of following that and I knew some people there and I kind of, it was always involved in in NGOs and nonprofits and in volunteer organizations and that type of thing. But I think when I came to Japan, I I kind of said to myself, you know, I I really feel like it's time for me to more firmly move into this space. And I feel that uh, as somebody who's worked in business, for my entire life and really has focused on how do we help people buy more things? You know, I think a lot of my job was that too, right? How do we get people to buy more soda or chocolate or all these different things? How can we get them to buy better and how can we build better products and better brands that have less impact on our planet and our world? And also on the social side too. Um are better as well, so that's a little bit kind of how I came to it. It wasn't really one thing if you will yep. it was it, it was little projects that I worked on along the way, and people who popped in and out of my life that really um, helped and uh, inspire me to to kind of move more in a direction
1: yeah that, that that's great and and one thing you know you have such a unique perspective, having you know coming from the u s working in Europe, being in japan you know yeah. I, i'm sort of been i've been super i've been chopping at the bit to sort of ask you know what cultural differences are you recognizing across sustainability you know i oh. mean you think about yeah, yeah. <laughs> <so> think many. <laughs> and, i mean I'm, I'm, i really have no idea what the um, what the air would be like in japan you know if yeah. i you know i sort of assume everybody's more open to sustainability than i don't know than maybe the us but maybe that's just a false perspective so yeah i'm really curious to get to get your insight on that
2: So I'll try to answer this quickly, (laughs) but but I'll start with Europe just because I think Europe was where I really started to think more seriously about this question. And if you look at any region in the world where you have more of a consensus around Mm. sustainability, it is absolutely Europe.
0: Mm.
2: And I think one big reason is that Europeans, whether they be capitalistic or they be on the right or they be on the left, were always a little bit skeptical of capitalism anyway. And so after the financial crisis happened, which it was devastating everywhere, but it was particularly devastating in Europe. And then you had at the same time you had um, the climate crisis, you had so much social activism amongst particularly the young. Um, And also, I I think it's intergenerational. So when you talk to people and I I did mention as well, I actually also have French nationality. I'm a a naturalized, naturalized French citizen. But I remember for years, you know, people would talk about how they didn't like having so much, uh, so many big trucks that weren't necessarily good for the world, or this whole organic movement was very strong there. And 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 you can see there's just more political momentum around it, um, and it's really more present in the people, really, in many ways, particularly Western Europe. So you have more of a consensus. So, so everybody's, yep, we need to do something. They may not be where they need to be, but you know, they they bitterly believe it. You don't the climate skepticism it exists, but it's not as strong as you find, for example, in the U.S. In Japan, it's kind of an interesting story because Japan, if you look at any Japanese company, and when we go in and talk to businesses and such, the first thing they always do is they talk about um, their founders. And their founders are inevitably in the 19th century. I mean, Japanese companies, a lot of them have been around for a really long time. I think Mitsubishi is something like 600 years old um, in its founding. And and they always talk about the social good and their founders and that kind of, they have a lot of pride in this. But what kind of threw them off the path of sustainability was the war. So after the war, they started building these companies that we know today in mass, right? And the the industrial base of Japan, which has declined in recent years, right? But it's still, you find very huge, strong Japanese companies. And they believe very strongly in kind of profitability. And they didn't necessarily feel like the the social responsibility piece was necessarily as critical, perhaps, as, as some other things. So actually, people here, um, I'd say Japan is definitely behind, actually. Um, But in the last few years, I'll say that it's it's changed. The SDGs, Sustainable Development Goals, here, people are totally aligned around them. So if you go (laughs) to any Japanese company, you'll see, you know, gentlemen uh, and and women increasingly wearing an SDG pin, right? Whether Mm. they believe it or they know what it is or not, it's just they've been told they need to wear it right? Mm. Any, any annual report from a Japanese company, you will see the SDGs. And I think they're changing pretty quickly. And I think there's a lot of people in Japan who actually see this as a, as, as an opportunity for Japan to kind of come back to the world and reassert itself a little bit and to kind of move maybe towards their foundings a bit more. Um, Mm. But, you know, but there's certainly a lot of work to do here. And then the U S is interesting because it's just like two different places. So (laughs) you speak to some country companies that are just they do incredible work. I mean, the stuff that they do, their advocacy, how involved their employees are, how they recruit people. For example, they look for people who believe that sustainability is the right model for business. And then you have other people who just don't care at all. Mm. It's, it, it's fascinating. And then of course you have the other parts of the world too, right? South America, you have Africa, mm. um, Australia, et cetera, et cetera. And, and particularly in, in, in the emerging markets, um, People are, are are on the front lines of this. They're the ones who this is impacting first. So mm-hmm. when there's not social justice, when you when you have yep. climate issues, they're on the front line. So the young people, particularly in those markets, are really concerned.
0: Mm-hmm. But
2: at the same time, they 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 want to get rich, right? So <laughs> so there's a bit of a just an inherent uh, conflict there.
1: Yeah, very interesting. Um, and and you know, so a lot of people coming out of the Bard program are. Um, going into the careers being sustainability consultants. And I've, I've had the pleasure of speaking to a number of alum that have become sustainability consultants. So when you talk about, you know, being in a a country that is at least a, seems a little bit behind Europe, I'm just sort of, I'm always curious in the in sort of the day-to-day, I don't know, men, your own mental speaker or, or how you go about dealing with clients that are coming to you So they're obviously interested in sustainability outwardly, but a few of those clients might not inwardly um, be, their actions might not match up to what they're looking to uh, do outwardly in sustainability. So I'm sort of curious how you manage um, dealing with that uh, as far as, I don't know dealing with people that might not have complete buy-in and sustainability, but they're there maybe because their boss told them the organization and um, how you sort of, you know, manage that sort of relationship. I'm very curious.
2: Well, in (laughs) Japan, it's a little different because you have to remember that the time aspect in Japan is much longer. Mm -hmm. So there's two things that you have to do. One, the business case around sustainability is critically important.
0: Mm -hmm.
2: And I think we still particularly people in the sustainability space, underestimate how important this is and how important it is to do over, to to preach over and over and over and over again. Mm. Um, And particularly the training program side of things. And that's where, you know, we do a lot more stuff than that kind of recently because, simply because organizations are not really convinced so, you have to spend a lot of time explaining to people that this is actually just good business. And right. it's risky not to be doing this. And here's why it's risky not to be doing this. And here's some companies elsewhere who are really succeeding moving to sustainable business models. Here's what investors are saying, which is increasingly um, um, concerned about mm-hmm. companies that are not, especially at coming out of COVID-19, right? That's been mm-hmm. pretty revealing for, you know, organizations that don't have, are thinking, aren't thinking about sustainability and aren't resilient, what happens. Um, so, so that's the first thing, the business case. And then I think the second thing is patience.
0: Mm-hmm. So
2: I think that, I think we have to remember that, you know, people aren't going to be convinced overnight, right? They're going to have to see success. They're going to have to de- go step by step. And unfortunately, I'm not convinced that we have time to mm-hmm. go step by step, but unfortunately that's how human beings are. So, yep. so there certainly is an element of patience. And for us too, you know, certainly in Japan, you know, we go back and sometimes it takes, you know, the sales cycles are quite long here. Um, mm-hmm. we do lots of, you know, you know, seminars or, you know, calls and meetings with people repeatedly mm-hmm. uh, cool. as well. But, you know, you kind of have to just keep going at it. Um, I think in the U.S. it's a bit easier in the sense that Americans will have a tendency to just try you out. Right. So we we'll mm. just try you out, see how it goes. If it doesn't go, that's it. Right. But Japan is mm. not like that. It's a long relationship mm. that you build. Um, but, you know, this is a problem that takes a long relationship to obviously yeah. tackle as well.
1: No, it's very interesting. I could I could spend this whole interview asking you questions on cultural differences. <laughs> but, but yeah, I love that idea of and this is something that our program teaches as well. You know, really leading with the business case in the um, yeah. when in the C-suite uh, is usually the most effective strategy. So I want to um, switch over. Uh, you, you know, you started to talk about your book, Leading Sustainability. Yeah. Um, and. Uh, and, uh, and yeah, I, just, just, I want to hear more about your, your book at this yeah,
2: point. Yeah, the writing process. So it took, it took pretty much two years, exactly. from mm-hmm. the point where we started interviewing people to the point when the book was published. And when we came up with the idea, we said, well, let's just go out and talk to people, see if they'll talk to us. And actually, I was pretty um, skeptical that, that businesses were actually going to speak to me. And why? Because this is a really touchy subject. And organizations are always concerned about their reputation. So if you delve into something that's messy, they may be reluctant to tell you. But I would say they were pretty honest. You know, they they, they said, well, look, these are the things we're doing. These are the things we're doing well. These are the things we're struggling on. These are the things we need to, to sort out. So we don't really, the book doesn't take an angle of criti- criticizing companies per se. It really says, okay, here's what companies are doing. Here's where we think we are. We have this framework, which is kind of, know the five steps to a sustainable business model and we say pretty clearly all these companies we talk to the third step is really like um taking some first actions and having some first wins it's like limited sustainability activity in the company if you will Mm. and uh we say pretty clearly we really didn't speak to very many companies that were beyond that step you know Uh, and so um it, it was but it was enlightening it was really incredible seeing how concerned people are about this. And so when you look at the, the structure of the book, it really starts with the story of sustainability in terms of how we got to where we are today. It tells you all the history, so mm-hmm. the history side of it. And uh, actually I've, I've been in contact with John Elkington who uh, read the book too. I was quite excited about that. And he's a you know, huge figure in the sustainability space. And his book Cannibals with Forks years ago and now his most recent book, uh, Green Swans, he's written many books. Mm-hmm. Crafty, mm-hmm. And so he looms a bit large in the book. Because he really was the founding father in some ways of this this ideology or this idea, I should say, that businesses and and uh, businesses can be sustainable as well as profitable. So, um, so go, go ahead. Did you want to have? Questions? Well,
1: yeah, sure. Yeah, so is about so is that you know is the work of Elkington and, and others? Did they sort of inform your definition of sustainability? Because in your book, you do have a clear definition. Yes. I was yes. I you know was hoping you could speak a little bit about that.
2: It's a, a little bit, but it's a bit more expanded. So in that definition, you'll see that we talk about, we give a little bit more detail around this idea of operational integration and around um, uh, that, that, that profitability that, that basically it can be a competitive advantage, I guess you can say right mm. so we we take that pretty clearly that's a way that can be a differentiator and a positive differentiator for companies and i think for a time i would say that it will be because not all companies and sectors are focusing on moving to a sustainable business model it's still in many sectors a, a set of them who are there are certain sectors that i think are moving quicker than others that was pretty evident particularly consumer oriented businesses and that's probably because it's harder for them to hide
1: <laughs> well, <laughs> you know, and they're mm-hmm. the ones
2: who are the ones, whenever we talk about sustainability and people talk about climate change, they're the ones people talk about first. They forget mm-hmm. all the other, the shipping companies, the mining companies, the heavy industries who contribute a lot to particularly our environmental challenges, but you just never see them.
0: Yep. Right?
2: Um. So so in that definition, we talk, It's it's more expanded definition, I would say, because we really wanted to give just our point of view on on what it means from an operational strategic perspective and how it's really a differentiator for organizations.
1: I like the structure of the book. You um, have a history in your introduction and then you decided to do what you ha- have termed mission driven vignettes.
0: Yes. Um, the book.
1: And yeah, I'm curious to hear about the uh, the strategy behind that structure for your book.
2: Yeah. So the reason we made we it out that way is, is I, which I should say that the book was really not written for the sustainability officer, although we're happy that sustainability officers read it. And we don't doubt that that a lot of people that will read it. We wanted to really write it for managers who have to focus on sustainability topics and issues now in their daily jobs, but have no idea what to do or basically have a, because that's what's happening, right? I was actually on a call before we spoke today with someone who's on the board of a pretty large company in Europe. And she said, it comes up all the time. And even at the board level, a lot of people don't necessarily know what to do. Mm -hmm. So I wanted to write the book. We wanted to write the book so that it could speak to those people. And the Mm -hmm. reason we chose to put these mission-driven companies, we'll say, throughout the book is because we wanted to, give the example these examples to show that it is possible it is absolutely possible to have a successful company and also is the company that's also sustainable at the same time mm-hmm. and that it's really a choice that's the thing that i think we we miss in a lot of this that then an organizations and you know, say oh well you know we don't know if consumers want it etc cetera, etc cetera. all the time they they encourage us to use products and services that we don't even know we need and we may not even need mm-hmm. so a lot of this is a strategic choice, a choice of the management. And we wanted to say, you know what, there's business leaders and there's small businesses in particular that that are building great businesses around sustainable models and ideas. And that's why we chose to intersperse them throughout the book in that manner.
1: Yeah, no, it's a super, um, super effective um, structure. And also, you know, it's interesting, the peer-to-peer influence, because I looked at just the company names and I recognized a few of the names. And so it's sort of, you know, I think helps drive that interest and seeing like, Oh, what are they doing? You know? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So really helpful. Um, and, uh, I know we're, we're getting close to the, um, to our time here, but as a, as a small business owner, I was curious, you know, so you talk about a company not knowing what to do, right. Um, where do you recommend, you know, a company starting when they are thinking about embedding sustainability, not necessarily, um, you know, just sort of green, greenwashing, but, but, you know, the, the C-suite, everybody has buy-in people are, people are signed up and then they're thinking to themselves, okay, where do we start? I'm I'm interested in getting that, that free read the air consulting advice right now. <laughs> I,
2: I actually think that um, it, it's most important for an organization to understand its impact probably first. And by that, I mean, really looking hard at each part of the business. Like if you look at it, look at a company, you know, in terms of its operational uh, system, there's distinct parts in that, right? And I think that, and there's a lot of experts that are very good at this in terms of really looking at what is my impact in each activity of my business? Because I think it's really hard to know what to do until you understand what's going on. So I think mm. that's the first step, and I and actually there's um so so for example the uh, B corporation right, which you, which I'm sure you know mm-hmm. B corp uh, B corp certification, they actually have an online tool where you can assess your own um, impact and you get an impact a B, a B, a B corp score a B impact score, yeah, well. and it's open to everyone. So you could use it, and actually I have a, a startup that I advise here in Japan, that, and they have a bit of a social mission, and they actually. Use that and just looked at where they were at. And it really wasn't to necessarily apply for the certification itself, but it gave him very helpful information about what he was doing as a business. So I think that's, that would be my first piece of advice is, and there's lots of tools out there. You know, the the UN Global Compact is another one that has lots of really great um, free tools that organizations could use. But I think the first step is to say, okay, let's look at our operational activities and really understand what's going on. How sustainable are these things? And I don't think that has to be overly complicated, but at least take a look at that. And then the next thing that I've seen a lot of organizations do is they, they experiment with a part of their business, with a part of their product line. Um, mm-hmm. And maybe they, they work on a particular in the consumer products world or in the fashion world, they, they work on a discrete part of their product portfolio.
0: Mm-hmm. And why
2: is that important? Because you have to experiment, you have to try, and you have to test. And it's very difficult for organizations, I think even small businesses, to, do, to transform their whole business at once. So sometimes mm-hmm. they have to start small. And I think that's just the natural evolution of things. And then from there, I think you can expand it more broadly. But I would say at the point when you really want to expand it more broadly, and particularly for larger companies, and this is something that I saw that's a real problem, mm-hmm. the whole sustainability activity or capability around sustainability is very much under resourced, and I imagine you probably talk about this in your in your program. So, if you look at a transformation like the digital transformation and how much money and time has been allocated to that, sustainability doesn't even come close.
0: Right? <laughs> so,
2: so how can you transform a company of fifty thousand or eighty thousand or two hundred thousand people without a proper sustainability function or? which is some of the work that, you know, that I do, obviously, people who are well trained in what sustainability means. And if they're in the marketing function, where are the opportunity? What are your competitors doing around this? How are consumers making trade-offs in terms of pricing and products? Um, You know, how do you message around this? You know, that's just in the marketing function. And a lot of those people don't have that know-how. And that's very difficult. So I think the last step is really making sure the organization is not just aligned, but properly resourced. To be mm. able to actually um, transform towards a more sustainable model
1: yeah gosh daunting task I couldn't imagine sitting <laughs> here, seat looking at a 50,000 uh, person operation or conglomerate and thinking yeah. okay we're going change yeah. the, we're going to change the, the way they do things here
2: and I think it's hard uh, for a business of 500 people or 200 yeah. people too right yeah no I really hard, appreciate you know. that
1: uh, advice actually because I sort of did not expect that answer. Um, so I'm glad <laughs> I asked. I thought maybe you were going to say, oh, well, you should, me- you have to measure. You can't measure what you meant. Right. But of course, yeah. like, there's so much impulse, I think, to start doing something before, yeah. as you say, you know, as the name of your company, reading the air. Um, yeah. And uh, thinking, okay, so where is your impact? Yeah. <laughs> start yeah. start with that initial question, and, and where
2: uh, is it negative, and where is it positive? You know.
1: Yeah. Yeah. No, I think that that's super helpful advice. As a closeout question, I just wanted to ask you, um, you know, it's that's not an easy question, but yes. what do you see the uh, as the biggest sustainability challenge we have to take on uh, during 2020 and and beyond, mm. uh, according that you're that you're seeing out there.
0: Oh,
2: I think during for twenty twenty, it absolutely has to be focus. I mean, the the amount of problems that organizations are dealing with now, just mm-hmm. especially in the midst of the pandemic, in the middle of an election year, I mm-hmm. think it's really staying the staying the course. It, it, you, know, it, you, you would think that it's always going to say climate change, but I think actually it's focus. There's so many issues organizations are having to deal with, and as well as you know a lot of the um, a lot of the challenges we're having around. Uh, equality as well, and organizations that are looking to transform how they look and how they operate, the type of people in them.
1: Yeah.
2: Um, I think it's going to be really hard the next six months to the to a year, keeping companies on this path. I don't think they're going to pull back substantially, but I think their attentions are not necessarily focused as they were uh, a year ago. <laughs> so okay. so that would be my first, first first step. And then I think that the next step is really um, you know, we're starting to see momentum around companies saying, you know what, we need to have a more sustainable business model. I actually heard the CEO, Emmanuel Faber, of Danone, uh, talking about um, the B Corp model and how he actually mentioned in that interview that there's a lot of uh, CEOs that are contacting him and asking, should we be B Corps too? And I think that's a, that's a great thing, um, but that doesn't mean that they actually will become Right? because that's a big step
0: mm-hmm. so
2: I think the next step is how do we encourage more organizations to look at moving towards whatever it is a business model that's truly sustainable and being willing to stop some things that are harmful and that aren't necessarily in line with that vision and to really transform um, towards something better and something different
1: mm. well thank you very much for that and thank you very much for giving us your time today um, We really appreciate it. I really appreciate the opportunity to speak with you. So thank you.
0: Thank you so much. You can find Leading Sustainably, the path to sustainable business and how the SDGs changed everything at your favorite bookseller and on Amazon.com. Learn more about the other topics discussed today by visiting readtheair.jp. Join us for the next episode of the Impact Report on Friday, November 6th. We'll be speaking with Brady Robinson, Executive Director of the Conservation Alliance. For the complete lineup and other news, visit us at impactreportpodcast.com and follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. MBA in Sustainability is one of a select few graduate programs globally that fully integrate sustainability into a core business curriculum. Learn more at bard.edu/mba